Welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. Talking all things health, well-being and equality for LGBTQ plus communities of colour. So relax, listen and enjoy. Hello, I'm Alice and I wanted to check in and say thank you to everyone who tuned into the launch of our podcast two weeks ago. We've really appreciated all the feedback, so please do keep it coming. If you have any suggestions for topics, guests, we'd love to hear it. We've got a lot more in store that we can't wait to share with you, but until then, we wanted to give you a little blast from the past. So here's the pilot episode we recorded last year, back when the podcast was called Beetlejuice. I hope you enjoy this little bit of time travel. Have fun. Welcome to the first episode of Beetlejuice, the podcast series. I am Kay Vante, external comms and social media officer at Black Beetle Health. And I'm very excited for today's episode. I am joined by two phenomenal people that I work along with at the organization that I will allow to introduce themselves because. I just don't think an introduction that I can give will ever be enough. So I'm gonna go ahead and introduce Sarah first and have her to say who she is, what she does, and what is she excited about today? Thank you, Kevante, for having me. My name is Sarah Grant. I am the Chronic Disease Management and Resource Development Officer for Black Beetle Health. Um, I've been working with the team for a couple of years now and I'm really excited about this new element that we're adding to our services to talk about things um, that are meaningful to us in a more personal and in a different kind of way. So thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited for you to be here and gonna let Harvey introduce himself and tell us what he's excited about today. Hello, so my name is Harvey Kennedy Pitt. I am the CEO and founding director of Black Beetle Health. Um, and I sort of describe myself as a black academic a tiny bit, um, also um, sort of a, a conversationalist. I like to have lots of conversations and chats about things. Um, I'm definitely an advocate of good health, um, whatever that can be defined as, and also generally just um, a, a bit of a low-level activist, if I'm quite honest. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited about um, new things and hybrid working and... Um, on any limitations, I think. Happy to be here. Oh, amazing, amazing. I'm happy to have you both here today. Um, I guess I feel like I kind of have to <laughs> give a bit more about myself. Yeah, so I am external communications and social media officer at Black Beetle Health, as well as I am an artist. Um, I use poetry, essays, short stories to just kind of like tell the stories of um, Black identity, Caribbean identity, queer migrant identity. And I joined Black Beetle Health just because I believe in the mission of the organization. And I'm particularly passionate about all things mental health. And through this organization, I've been learning a lot about just like the, the different elements um, of, the, of the organization. So today's episode, we are gonna be talking about lessons that we've learned from our lineages so ancestral talk um keeping in mind that we're going to be talking about this through the lens of health and wellness 
So the first question that I have prepared for the both of you today is, what is a major health or wellness lesson you've learned from your ancestors, past or present? How has this helped you to navigate life's complexities? And we can start with Sarah. Yes, thank you. So um, one of the big lessons that I've learned from um, those uh, around me who are uh, still with me or who have uh, already passed on is that you're never too old to make a change to improve your life. Um, I have family members, whether it's grandparents, aunts, uncles, and others who have um, you know, taken on new careers later in life, who have made great changes to their health later in life and, and you know, been able to uh, great, uh, more, more greatly achieve their health goals. And it's just been really inspiring. So that's um, a take home that, that I have also adopted. And I continue to encourage those around me that, you know, don't think that if you've reached a certain age, there's a certain cutoff point for being able to um, continually improve yourself. Something else that I, I have to acknowledge that I've gotten from my ancestors is um, for them, the value and importance of faith and prayer in their lives as far as um, a source of, of helping with mental health care. Um, of course, other terms have, have arisen, things like meditation or, or you know, self-care time or quiet time and things like that as well. But um, that has been really fundamental in um, getting my um, family members through a variety of challenges yeah yeah that's so important and what I forgot to mention was this is definitely like coming like after the grand celebration of this episode is coming after the grand celebration of Black History Month here in the UK and just kind of wanted to bring back the lessons of what we've learned specifically as Black people um, yeah based in the UK, um, like the lessons that they've they've imparted to us, because I think there's something there that I know like people kind of have conversations specifically where I come from about just like, oh, some things that older people have to say aren't necessarily relevant for today, but I kind of think like if we look back, it'll help to inform just like better decision making for today. So thank you for sharing that, Sarah. And I would ask the same question of you, Harvey, what is a major health or wellness lesson you've learned from your ancestors past or present? And how has this helped you to navigate life's complexities? Yeah, I mean, my response would definitely mirror Sarah's, but I, I would extend it even further to, to really think about being as you as healthy as you feel. Uh, and I think that we tend to, um, sort of medicalize things and sort of overcomplicate the way that we describe how we're feeling but really you're as healthy as you actually feel uh, and uh, I think there's a, there's a phrase that you know me and my cousin used to really joke a lot about and it's and I'm gonna say how it's said and then I'll explain what it means and it you know and it says it goes um nobody tell us Tina boss gas and it, it, what that really means is don't let anybody tell you that something as simple as tea can't sort out gastrointestinal um, intestinal issues because things like hydrotherapy, we think about things like the, you know daily tea drinking or, or drinking a warped substance, how that can really move things along. And we used to, you know, we sort of joke and sort of say, oh, don't let nobody tell us if you don't tea gas. But that is really, that's a home truth. It's really saying, actually, this is a natural remedy that's been used for generations um, that can be um, a really simple fix to a lot of really complex um, sort of gastro um, enter, sort of enteric issues or issues with your stomach and your intestines. So, you know, that's, um, something that I would probably 
say I have learned is the simplicity of health and well-being rather than the complexity um, that we see within medicalized conversations. I'm so appreciative of the fact that you kind of brought in like your like ethnic, yeah, like the ethnic representation. Because for me, like to answer this question, um, and I'm happy that you said sometimes it's not complex. Because sometimes it's just really simple, and you kind of could lean on it, and it's like, yeah, it's so true. Like Grammy was making sense. Like life don't necessarily have to be <laughs> as complicated as we think. And I think a thing that, um, or a saying that my grandmother. So I grew up with my grandmother. So I was old school children. Um, like what we would say back home I grew up with my grandmother and she would say to me like so as long as you own dead you own past nothing yeah and you don't get like you ain't you ain't dead and so it's just kind of like relax breathe through it take your time like life is like a daily kind of process like it's important to make like I guess like have a vision for yourself but ensure that you like being fully present in each day and that definitely has kind of like helped me like mentally in terms of just like pacing myself every day because I'm a person like I dream so big and I'm like oh my god how exactly am I gonna accomplish all of these things like do I know enough people to help me because collaboration is like something that I truly truly believe in I thrive off of collaborating with people so I'm always like do I even know enough people to get all of these things done like how's it gonna happen but it's just kind of like I'm not dead as yet so things gonna like work itself out the universe is gonna help me to make the right connections I'm gonna meet who I need to meet I'm gonna be in the places that I need to be be in in order to accomplish what I need to accomplish so just kind of like take it day by day and not like stress myself out and yes I definitely agree with you Harvey in terms of just like my grandmother is definitely someone who used to tell me like just go in the, go in the back of the yard pick the bush boil it drink the tea you're gonna be all right tea for everything like tea for every single thing so <laughs> that's a, absolutely yeah that's a proper lesson <laughs> um my follow-up question to that is has there been a moment in your life where the words of your ancestors didn't prove as valuable um so like yeah just like anything that they would have said that is taking you so far and then you try to apply to one situation and you kind of like have a buck up has there been um a moment like that and would you care to like share and i'm gonna start with harvey this time yeah definitely i mean it immediately comes to my mind and that's really um upon reflecting upon um things like faith spirituality religion religious practice tradition um, uh, being stuck in one's ways and, and that's actually turned out to be one of the greatest barriers for uh, sort of health and well-being particularly in eth ethnic minority groups or racially minoritized groups where you have people saying it's okay I won't go to my GP I won't speak to my doctor I won't speak to my dentist about it instead we're going to pray and we're going to let God show us just how powerful he is um, and that um, can be a complex situation to try and navigate with family who we definitely um, solely leads with um, uh, with a mind of religious practice only. Um, even when they're educated, even when they have they have gone through the university process, they um, are well read, they're well connected, they they operate in the mainstream. But then when it comes back to sort of traditional faith practices, religion, sometimes a lot of that is lost. It's almost like um, uh, uh, I guess the ability to to, to navigate um, that feeling of 
of of health and, and so what health should actually be like it's like it go, goes out the window um it becomes almost um not important i think that's where it's become very unhelpful we've seen a lot of people um within you know obviously our community particularly wrapped up in um practices of using herbal medicines instead of consulting their GP or going for screenings um, because they believe that the natural way was the only way and that there was no other way that we could navigate that and we've got to be really open and honest and sensitive because obviously we have people who will be listening today who uh, will still be from faith backgrounds they will be part of religious practice they'll be part of religious community uh, and, and might even still um, believe that maybe a, a natural way is the only way and that actually everything is um, sort of falls outside of that but we have to sort of think about things sensibly um, and I'll speak in the language of, of of that community which is to be wise as a serpent but harmless as a dove and it's really to be um, to be wise and really try to, to arm ourselves with knowledge um, as we're making decisions yeah yeah that's definitely yeah it hits it hits on the nose for me particularly because i am a preacher's kid and both of my parents were bishops so to explain like i understand that depression and anxiety and like all of these things particularly to i have one living parent now and my depression got really, really bad when I lost my dad last year. And to explain to my mommy, I'm not choosing to be depressed. Like, you can't just tell me, oh yeah, burn your incenses. Like, cause my mommy, she's like spiritual and religious at the same time. I don't know how to explain it any other way. So she'd be like, go and meditate, go and like pray with your crystals, like do what you gotta do, etc." And I'm like, that is not how depression works for me <laughs> like and it's and it's and it's strange too like it's it's really strange because one day I could be like feeling my dad's like energy and presence and I feel like excitement because my dad was like a comedian and a very like energetic kind of person so I'd feel his energy and I feel excited and then the other day I would just be angry because I'm like you really leave me here like you really just leave me here like you just died seriously and then I'm angry and I can't really explain the anger until I like say it to a friend who's like like a medical professional she's like actually that's just depression manifesting itself in a different way and i'm like yeah. I, you know what that makes a lot of sense so i definitely connect with that um do you have any experiences sarah of like moments in your life where you try to apply um a lesson um from an ancestor and it just it did not work itself out for you Yes. So before I answer that question, I just want to tag on to what uh, you all have said and just say that, you know, it, it's so important for us to all respect, you know, the past and also and also respect um, the future and, and how those things inform one another, because, you know, some people may say, I only want things that are natural, but but, you know, from from a person who's worked in the health field um, for uh, some time now, we know that the origins of a lot of the quote unquote um, prescription medications that are out there came from natural sources. You know, it's just been purified and, and you know, manufactured and stuff like that. So um, we don't discount that that there's value in the quote unquote natural. And then on the on the flip side, everything that is natural is not also healthy um, just because it comes from a plant. So um, we won't stay there. That's for another podcast episode. But to answer the question um, really, uh, really goes right on in line with what Harvey was talking about, actually, just the idea that 
um, we've been taught over time to, to keep things to ourselves, don't spread your business, um, handle things in, their, in your home, which can be good in the sense that everybody does not have your best interest at heart and that, you know, you don't need to gossip, you don't need to, to slander people and things like that. But on the flip side, we are now in the age where seeking mental health counseling is becoming much more um, accepted and mainstream. And so, uh, you know, the idea for me is that everything that we may do as a protective mechanism does not also promote healing. And so I say that also from, from the mental health point of view, but also in the physical health realm, like we are taught, like we don't ask questions of older individuals, we don't get in their business, but as a result in my own family, and then as I work in, in, the, in the field, you know, people don't know that their family members have particular conditions or illnesses and things like that. All they knew is, oh yeah, she, she couldn't take that, or she had to do a lot of the, drink a lot of this, or she couldn't walk up, you know, she couldn't do this or that, but they didn't know where it came from. Um, and, and so now we're starting to put words to things and, and names to things now that maybe you weren't able to before. So kind of a connection there with the physical and the mental. I am so like, I just want to pick apart what you said about like, not everything that's natural <laughs> um, is healthy because I'm so curious about that, but that definitely has to be another <laughs> podcast episode because I am like one of those people, because I can't separate my Caribbean-ness from myself. So parts of me still kind of hold on to superstitions as much as I feel like I'm like, my thinking is so far ahead than like my mom and um, my grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. There are still certain things that I hold on to. It's just like, no, no, it's okay. I'll just go and drink some like fever grass tea, which is lemongrass tea for anxiety. And then I'll be okay. And then like a couple hours later, I'm still anxious. And then <laughs> my friend would be like, you could just take anxiety medicine. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm absolutely not going to get addicted to those. <laughs> I am absolutely not going to get addicted to those. So I'm very curious to hear <laughs> your perspective on that. Um, but yeah, just want to like round off this episode with my final question, which is um, thinking about like your life and your work and your legacy, like what great things would you like your descendants to learn from your life and legacy? Um, it could be anything related to health, well-being, um, LGBTQ identity, Black identity, Black equality. Um, and I will start with Sarah. I don't think anyone has asked me this question before. So this really makes me have to go and do some self-reflection. You know, it's so important that I am now an ancestor for somebody else, wow. you know? And um, some things that I hope that my descendants can look back and, and identify in me is a willingness to listen and a willingness to learn from others the value of having respect and tolerance for people who have different ideas than you. And the idea that no one person has everything right and that we all are learning and doing the best that we can to, to move forward in our understandings of our worldviews and in our, in our positions in the world. And I hope that my descendants get that from me. Um, I just have to throw in that in the, the field that I am going into, um, focusing on diabetes care specifically, there is such a small 
fraction of those who have the certification as a diabetes care and education specialist who are also um, Black. And, and I feel that that's so unfortunate, but it's also an opportunity for me going into the field to say, okay, I have the opportunity to highlight those who may be overlooked because they don't necessarily see or have that representation. So that's something that's important to me to pass on. Yeah, I think that's really, really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Harvey, what would be something that you would say to your descendants that you would want them to like take from your life and your legacy? Well, immediately the Beyonce song, and I'm sorry for any people out there who don't like Beyonce, but for the Beyonce song um, that comes to my head is, um, you know, I, I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time, know that there's something that, something that I left behind, you know, those lyrics always get me um, because it's, there's nothing worse in my head um, that I could imagine than existing for, say, the average of approximately 100 years and nobody knew that you were even here. There's no record, people are flipping through textbooks, through history, they're Googling, and there's no evidence that you even existed. And how that can almost devalue, you know, the opportunity or the purpose of having existed in the first place. That, it doesn't frighten me, it um, drives me. It drives me to make sure that I'm not the person who, um, you know, almost wasted my existence or like didn't do anything that was of any contribution to society or to humanity. Um, so that sort of drives me forward. And um, But within that, I think being daring enough to sort of um, be yourself, as it were, you know, so, you know, dare, be daring enough to tell your story as it is, whether or not you tell that story and people don't like it, tell your story and people don't believe it, you tell your story and people don't agree with it, but tell your story. And that's something that I'm becoming more open slowly and gradual to do myself, because when you go through systems and, and um, education and you watch people who are successful and, you know, they seem to always have it all together. And so you, you go into protective mode and you want to only give the good bits. So you only want to give the bits that you think make sense to people or that people are going to agree with you or, you know, they're going to be on side of you. But um, what I'm what I'm learning to value is the ability of telling my story. Just tell it as it is. And then people will actually have loads of respect for you just telling the story as it is and, and, and accepting you as you are and how you present yourself. And the, that's the most powerful thing that you can do. So I think when it comes to legacy and being someone's ancestor, I want people to look back and, and see that that's what I did, that I left my footprint in the sands of time, that I was daring enough to, to live my own truth, my own story. And that I was um, also able to use those things like Sarah said, anything that I'm gaining, education, any skills I'm gaining, to just crack the system open from the inside out, really, you know, insert myself into the insider systems and dare to challenge, um, you know, things that we, you know, we've just always done for no reason, but really try and be a leader and, and sort of set an example for those who not only look like me, but have had similar experiences. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And thank you for sharing that as well. I think, like Sarah, like when, <sighs> I thought of this question, I didn't even think about like how I would be able to answer this because I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> answer the question, answer the question. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, I don't really, I haven't thought about descendants. Like I've not even like, I'm not where I want to be in my like, in myself, in my career, like in my just personhood. Like I am someone, my spirituality does not reflect my mother. So I actually like, um, I practice um, African spirituality, so I connect with my ancestors on a very like deeply like spiritual and like yeah practical level. Um, and so, in thinking about this, I kind of thought about just like 
the conversations that I've been having with my ancestors recently and um, just asking them about like their time on earth and the things that they didn't get to accomplish and what what is something that specifically um, recently I've been reflecting on um, just like I don't know if I can curse but like <laughs> like unfuckwithable joy like joy that's just like so completely like I cannot be moved by disappointment because this joy is so constant and present and that's something that came to me and just like speaking with them and realizing like they didn't have that opportunity to have joy in that way because they were so like bogged down by just like the realities of life and all of these systems that keep us oppressed um specifically as black people and just like them not being able to live their truth because they had to worry about all of these different things and me in a completely different like environment because I'm not home right now me in a completely different reality living my truth I think about that and I'm like that's exactly what I want my descendants to take away that you could have unfuckwithable joy you can absolutely live the truth that belongs to you like you can absolutely be who you want to be and yeah like you can absolutely do the things that you want to do so I think that's kind of like a lesson that I would want my descendants to take away from just my life and my legacy that I lived I loved and I allowed love to find me and just like embrace me and teach me the lessons that I was meant to learn on this earth and yeah I hope that makes sense but I definitely I definitely think like as we're like movers and shakers in the many uh spaces that we navigate I don't think we think about just like the people who will be who will come behind us and our descendants doesn't necessarily have to be like people who actually come from us but they could be friends or cousins or like siblings um etc like people who you don't even know are looking up to you like the other day my younger brother came up to me well not came up to me but like told me like I'm really proud of you like I see you doing your thing and I was like it just threw me off because I was like really like you just like I didn't know you was paying attention like <laughs> I really didn't know you was paying attention but he was like yeah yeah no I see you doing your thing and like you know I vibe with it like keep doing your thing like I'm really proud of you like is a necessary voice and everybody not gonna be here for it but just keep doing your thing and I'm like my brother is my descendant in a sense <laughs> so I'm happy that he is seeing that and it's inspiring him to do his thing you know um and yeah thank you so much Harvey and Sarah for joining me on this first episode of the Beetlejuice podcast series it's very very um exciting to speak with you both and hear about your lineages and what it is that you've learned from your um family and what you hope that family members and descendants would gain from your life and your legacy so that has been episode one of the Beetlejuice podcast series we will see you in the next one thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you.